It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Clamp Blue Podcast post-match reaction. Villa have won 1-0 at Villa Park again. Not really much to talk about apart from an absolute title race. We're in it, aren't we, Matt? And now you're going to believe us. Let's see. Yeah, let's just calm down a bit. Let's enjoy, enjoy the last few days. I think we might be, you know. We certainly are at the moment, whether we are oh, in yeah. May. Let's see. We're in it till we're not in it, aren't we? He's 28 <laughs> till he's 29. <laughs> um, we're in it to win it. I mean, it's absolute madness, isn't it? We're, we're obviously back from Villa Park. Aston Villa won, Arsenal nil. A 15th consecutive Premier League home win in a row. Wait, 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 yes, wait. Yes? Dub, 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 dub. 15 dubs. 15 huge dubs. Um, uh, the last time we lost at Villa Park was Arsenal. Um, months and months ago, nine, ten months ago, I think. Um, it's been a very long time coming to get to this record. There was a lot of us that probably didn't think we'd reach it. You looked at what we'd need to do to equal it, and that would be to beat Manchester City. What we need to do to beat it and set a new record is to beat Arsenal. And I think people probably would have thought, I don't know, five or six games ago into re- into reaching that record, oh, we won't do it because they're really difficult games to get to. Yet here we are, having done it. It feels very, I don't. Wanna, I hope I'm not alone on this. It's weirdly like emotional, what Villa are doing at the moment. I'm not going to like start bursting into tears like, uh, like poor little John Townley. Um, poor little John Townley, he absolutely hates that, by the way, that we called him out on the last one. Um, but it, it just is, like, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. That's what I mean by emotion. Like, I'm, I'm at Villa Park, I'm looking around, but we're all singing, everyone's having a great time. We're beating the big boys, and we'll get into it, but we're beating them in very different ways Wednesday and this evening. Can you believe what we're seeing here, Matt? Is this actually real? Pull yourself together, Dan. This is this is the new normal. This yeah, is what yeah, big clubs do. Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. No, it, it, it's bizarre, and we find different ways. We find different ways that ways to win. It was a very different, different performance, and it needed a little bit that way, that way. Yeah, just so you're talking into the mic, if possible. Oh god, technical advice halfway through. Hey, <laughs> I held this show together on my own in, in midweek. Yeah, true, true. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, we just we just find find different ways to win, and this is going to sound ridiculous, being as we we beaten probably the two main title fa- favourites um, in the week. But I think we've played better than we played today mm. uh, against teams throughout that run. And I thought it was it was a very... Um, listen, we, we started brilliantly and, 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 and set the tone, but it was a very... I don't know. I don't know what the 
not scruffy performance. That that's too harsh, but it was a very disjointed performance. Um, yeah. And I found I'm jumping in terms of chronology here, but I found it found it strange that we went long so often during mm. the second half when we knew the conditions were windy. But again, whatever the man touches turns to gold, doesn't it? So I feel like every time something comes out of my mouth and it is kind of questioning or doubting what he does, I mean, no, filter that out, <laughs> it up, just trust trust yeah. this man. Um, he'll fix everything for you. Yeah, it's it's un- it really is unbelievable what we're seeing. Uh, a couple of comments coming through already. I see a 17 home winning streak. Sheffield, United and Burnley up next. What do you reckon, lads? When I feel like we can beat anybody at Villa Park and I felt like that for a long time, but this week in particular has proved and will hopefully prove to the players and the coaching staff that you can beat everybody. Like, you look around the room, lads. This is what we've done over a course of four days. Like, to do what we did against Manchester City is one thing. To go again and win tonight in a very different way, we've had to be really resilient and, and kind of grind out a little bit, go toe-to-toe with a, a physical side in a different way and the really bitterness and the, the game being broken up and the time waste and all those different things. We weren't the dominant side that we saw on Wednesday. We weren't free-flowing, having loads of loads of chances, high XG and all these different things. But we found a way to win in a different way and kind of grind it out a little bit. And to do that, you have to look around the room and look around the dressing room and think, well, if you can do that, you can beat anybody. And obviously, there's a time when this winning streak will come to a, to a, to a, an end. And it will probably be against somebody that you don't expect to lose to because that's the way football goes sometimes. But you will now go to Villa Park and when we look at games and we say, oh, Man City, that's that's going to be difficult. And Arsenal, well, they are top. Like, a point would be good there. We've got to change our mentality, particularly at Villa Park. Every game is winnable at that stadium at, at this point. And those group of players and Emery will go into every single game thinking, we can win. And that is huge. Because if you win, as we've said before, 15 home games in a season, 16 home games, you're going to have a very good chance of at least being in the top six with a, with an average away record. If you get a good a good away record as well, you're in the top four and, and win things. Yeah, I think if, you know, if Newcastle United would have gone and produced those two results in the last week, if Manchester, I mean, listen, <laughs> no, this wouldn't happen. If Manchester United had done it, if Spurs would have done it, if, if any of the clubs kind of in that kind of chasing pack would have done it, we'd have been saying, actually, look at the form, look at the momentum here. These are the real deal. I think it's only the fact that we're a super biased Aston Villa, Claret and Blue podcast, and we don't want to jinx it. We really, really don't want it. That we, I, I feel I should stop short of saying that we're in the total race. It's just ridiculous. I mean, what are we two? I've not, I've not had a chance to check, check my phone. Two points off the top now. Two points off the top, yeah. Arsenal have got, no, Liverpool have got 37. Arsenal have got 36 and we've got 35. I mean, as much as that, we can kind of like talk about the title race. I've said before, we're not going to win the Premier League title this year. I, I still think we don't have what it takes. Those are two different conversations. Though, still, I still think yeah, winning yeah, the race yeah. and winning the title are two two different conversations. Hundred percent. Wrapping all the is ridiculous. Yeah, we're, we're in the race because we are so close to the top of the table. I mean, Villa aren't going to win the Premier League this year, but we're going to have a big say on who does because we're taking points off the teams around the top, and we're going to be. I think we'll be in the top four this year. I think that's pretty. Not nailed on, because obviously a lot can change. We could get injuries and whatnot. But the way we all felt about Newcastle last year, who got into the top four early, into the top three at points, and just looked, there, looked like they were going to be there all year. They just kept winning out of nowhere. I think that's going to be Villa this year. I think we'll just keep winning enough games to always be up and around the top four. I mean, yeah, as much as I say, we talk about the Tartar race, it's what's behind us, what's important. We're an eight-point gap from dropping out of the top five. That's a three-game swing that we've got to lose three games, you know, we'll draw two, lose two games and draw a game. We'll lose three games, in fact, and have the, have the teams behind us to win those three games to, to even overtake us in the, in the top five. 
can you see us losing three games in a row under Emery? Any point? No, we've done it once before, but any point in the future? I can't. If we lose one, we'll win the next three or four. I don't think we do lose lose games consistently. I think he, like I say, any any dropping of standards or, or any problems, he, he, he's quick to fix them. And, you know, imagine us getting to 35 points by the 9th of December. You know, another three and we're safe. We're safe you know, now, mate. I don't think the, the bottom three will get to 30 <laughs> this year. We can lose just, every game and stay up. I mean, what's it, mad, sorry to interrupt all the time, the year that we stayed up under Dino the first year, we stayed up on 35 points. We got 35 points over the whole season then, and that took till the final day to get there. The levels are unbelievable. No, it's um, it's 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 a joy to behold, and I thought the crowd was was brilliant again. Um, mm. I think the Arsenal fans were, were kind of put in their place quite early on. That that goal kind of helped to kind of yeah. quell their spirit a little bit, I think. And it was a really kind of disjointed, bitty game. Um, what a goal, by the way. Let's talk about the goals, as you mentioned it. Just such a great move of what we've seen from Villa. Like we said, we've said before that tonight's performance won't, won't go down as like peak Emery. That was Wednesday. Like That was what we are capable of against yeah. Man City. It wasn't that tonight. It was totally different. It was dogged. It was it was resilient. It was hard working. It was graft. It wasn't this free-flowing, attacking football that we're used to, which is fine. You know, you've won a game and, and that's still important. Um, but that, that move in particular was peak Emery to work out from the back a little intricate um, passing between Tielemans and Bailey possibly on the halfway line Bailey does very well down the right hand side and puts the ball across for McGinn who, who finishes brilliantly and celebrates with the celebration I still can't do um, yeah just a, a great great goal that was really 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 nice don't worry about there's lots of things John McGinn can do that us mere mortals can't do yeah. so I wouldn't worry about that I've um, I quickly watched the, the highlights on YouTube when I, I just got through the door before before we started and um, why do they especially when there's only one goal in a game listen if there's 10 goals in a game I can understand them clipping clipping them quite tightly but why are we not seeing all of that move it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, on the yeah, YouTube no. YouTube highlights because it was I can only remember it you know from from seeing it at the, at the ground it was really kind of intricate down that down that mm. right wing and like you said it wasn't free flowing we didn't you know we probably passed the ball more in that move for that goal than we did at any other time during the during the game tonight but uh, it's moments that moment of quality as well and that that proved to be the difference um, yeah. I'm running out, run out of kind of superlatives to to describe it, Dan, because I think we knew, I think we knew when we'd hired him with his track record that we got a really special special coach, and then I think we knew with what he did within the first kind of the first week, and then the first <laughs> six weeks, and so on, that we got a special special coach. But this is just new level this mm. season. I'm an old man. I mean, I know people who people won't believe this. People who people who only only listen to the audio probably think I'm, you know, I'm. A, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never seen anything like this. I think, you know, uh, I don't know. Is he the best coach ever of all time in the universe in the whole solar system? Um, I just maybe <laughs> he's certainly in the top one. Well, yeah, he certainly is. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Just I mean, he's the only manager in Villa's 149-year history to win 15 home games in a row, which we've had some bloody good teams over that 149-year history. Where we've, you know, in the in the black and white days when we used to win everything, won every title going, uh, FA Cups and, and, and league titles and whatnot, won the league in 81, Champions League in 82. Which is a very, very good footballers at Villa Park, but no manager has ever got a side together to win 15 games in a row. And the Premier League is at the highest level it's probably ever been. You know, obviously very different levels that football has seen over 149 years. But to be the only manager in this club's illustrious history to do that, that's some going, isn't it? 15 home games in a row is mad, isn't it? And we were moaning when they put the season ticket prices up, weren't we, Dan? <laughs> Imagine what they're going to be next year. Blimey. <laughs> get the mortgage out. I'm, I am very much getting value for money. So thank you, Aston Villa. Take my money again and give me more of the same. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, I suppose. Um, John McGinn. Talk to me about John McGinn. What a footballer. I feel like, and maybe this is a little bit of recency bias because he's playing very well at the moment, I think he's my favourite player I, I've ever seen in my 20-odd years of watching us. Obviously, again, we had some good footballers at that time. Ashley Young I really liked and Gareth Barry I liked. Jack Grealish was obviously a very talented player that I really liked. But just something about McGinn, I love watching him. Like, he's so fun to watch. Like, and if football is supposed to be fun. I know we talk a lot about his bum and the way they like back into people and hold them off, which is great in itself. But I feel like he's stronger this year than ever with the ball as well. When he's running with the ball, he holds people off better in motion. It's not just about backing into somebody and then rolling them and playing a pass. When he's running with the ball, he runs through people and takes them, you know, t- takes no prisoners and really forces his way out of his situations with his with his strength and his little centre of gravity. And he'll turn and spin and play a great ball. And he's got goals into his game now and whatever else. Again, we've had some great footballers over the last even 15 years in dribs and drabs and some great footballers throughout people's history of watching Villa for 40, 50, 60 years. But John McGinn is probably my favourite player that I, I enjoy just watching him do his thing. You're so fickle. You were you said you'd drive him to Partick Thistle on a free um, under Gerrard. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm probably slow on the uptake, but I love I love the new nickname for him, Brave Arse. I yeah, think that's, great. I, think that's, I don't know whoever whoever got that, whoever coined that, you know, kind of, yeah, hats off to you. That, that's brilliant. It kind of sums him up wonderfully. Yeah, he, he's, you know, he, the thing that I thought about is his fitness mm. as well, because you kind of see him as a, a kind of stocky, stocky little thing. Um, but he's strong, he's fit. You know, there was times, obviously, tonight, Emery's made the changes and brought Tielemans off. After 55 minutes, I thought Tillemans did did well again tonight. He brought mm-hmm. Kamara off. But McGinn still going hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Um and I think I think the you're saying, I mean, the, the thing that showed me, one of the things that showed me that John McGinn was properly back was when we when we battered Newcastle last mm-hmm. season and he was bullying Dan Byrne, who was yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, probably a foot or or, or more. Taller than him, but not not more than a foot taller than him. Um, and I think, like you said, the fact that he can—I mean, there's a, there's a time during the the second half where it was like we've got to try and get this ball to McGinn because if we get this ball to McGinn, we're safe because either he's mm-hmm. going to take it to an area where it's so far away from our goal that it's protected, 
or if he gets a little bit of space or can work a little bit of space, we've got a chance of, mm-hmm. of, of adding a second goal. And it was like, how do we get the ball to McGinn? And I think that was one of the jobs that Arsenal did on us today better than Man City in terms I thought their press was, was better, that mm-hmm. we really get the ball from our centre halves to our, our midfield the way that we the way that we've tried to, the way that we've tried to advance up the field that way. Um but on the occasions when McGinn does get the ball, you know, I mean I think there was a there was one wasn't there, I think, where he um just trying to think of the one. It might have been the second half where I think he was Possibly the only time I saw him wasteful where he's gone down the, the right wing and he's, I think he's tried to win a corner or shoot at the near post. But I think we've got to remember the journey that he's... I'll keep going on about journeys at the moment. I think we've got to remember kind of where he's come from. The fact that he was mm-hmm. a very good player, you know, in the Scottish Premier League. But, and yet, yes, he became a very good player in the Championship. But he seems to have kind of elevated his level, at, you know, almost... As Villa have gone up, he's thought, well, I, I want to be one of the best players in this team. So whatever level Villa are playing at, he's kind of making it his job to to kind of lead us there, I suppose. Um, but yeah, again, you know, he's everything you'd want from a captain. And the bargain... Yeah, that's the bargain that's something point, I didn't think as well. I mean, I can only think, you know, people that will have other examples, but I can only think in terms of like David Platt, in terms of somebody that we've plucked from a lower level that has gone on to become a kind of an elite level player. Mm. It's me of Platt in the sense that they're very, they're, they're very different players, but he reminds me of, you know, our scouting and actually getting that player ahead of all of our rivals. I just think that, you know, we've got to, got to really be thankful for that decision-making process at a time when lots of our decisions back then weren't that great. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, Mr. Cheesyfy says, have to thank Dino for a lot, but McGinn might be top of the list. Best two million ever spent. Actually, Steve Bruce. That signed John McGinn, probably one of the few good things that Steve Bruce did during his time here. The fact that he's been here for this whole kind of process journey, whatever you want to call it, signing in the championship for what, two million or something. What absolute bargain that is. Probably one of the best pound for pound pound signings we'll ever make. To still be here all these years and not just be that, well, he got promoted and he was good in the championship, but he's not good enough for the Premier League, but he's a good personality, so he'll play a few minutes here and there. To be one of the, the driving forces in the Premier League is one thing. To be one of the driving forces to one of the sides that's in third in the Premier League, 35 points after 16 games, and be a real a legend, I'd go as far to say. When when McGinn retires from Aston Villa, he will go down as a club legend, if he's not that already, in some people's eyes, because... I think he probably already is. You know, he scored in the playoff final to, to get yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. I think he is. 
and and since then he's been he's been the one consistent. You know, you'd probably have put him and Mings now for for obvious reasons. Mings hasn't been available this year, so yeah. McGinn has been in every every level of of improvement. Mm. But I think we'll win something by the, in the time that John McGinn is here, and he will be the captain that that lifts that trophy for the first time in twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty years, whenever it ends up coming. So to be a however many appearances he'll have made by the time he leaves and how good he's been for us and the, the journey that he's been on from Championship to the, the top end of the Premier League and, and hopefully lifting trophies for us as well. I think he'll go down as a, as a legend by the time he leaves. Um, but Did you get a good view, of, the, um, you get a good view of his yellow card? Uh, no, I don't even remember it, to be honest. Oh, I'm, my brain's that fried. It was kind of an all-action kind of slide tackle over the... Oh, five. yes, yeah. He got the board, didn't he? I thought he did. I thought it's one of those kind of ones where, you know, me old man moaning about the state of modern football, you're not allowed to, you know, yeah. it's a men's game and a woman's game. You're not allowed to, um, you're not allowed to, to tackle anymore. So to me, it seemed like it was a good clean tackle, but also in my mind, I thought that's the kind of tackle that that people don't like anymore. Um, yeah. I don't know if anybody, anybody saw it better than me, but. We'll talk about the referee in a bit because I don't want to hone in on that too much yet when there's so many positives to talk about. Um, what do we want to talk about, actually? I was going to then talk about Ollie Watkins. Obviously, he's been quiet in the last couple of games, but that that's also a negative. Um, he has been quiet in some senses, but it's not really matter because we, we've obviously won both games and, and that's huge. Um, talk to me about Diego Carlos. Diego. So, so, what are you drinking, by the way? I saw a little drink I'm pop up drinking, there. Well, probably only about 2%, 3.4% beer de Flanders. Okay. From Asda or something, or from the Tesco, the Tesco big shop. Um, nice. Yeah. For a small bottle, or you're a very big man. Got a massive hand. Uh, no, they're only little dinky bottles, little stubbies. That's on the bottle, not my hand. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. Uh, Diego Carlos. Um some concerns about him coming back from an in, a really serious injury. Um, maybe we, you know, we talked, didn't we, at the start of the week about, you know, is he the right player to come in at centre-back and moving concert out? Does that make us worse, etc.? He's then played in both games where we've kept a clean, clean sheet. I mean, we've struggled for clean sheets this season and then we get two in a row against Man City and Arsenal, which is madness in itself. But he was been he was unbelievable in in both games to be fair but tonight I thought he was he was excellent um so physical so imposing wins everything um yeah just talk to me about, about Carlos a little bit the brick wall isn't he um I've probably been a little bit harsh on 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 Pau Torres but I feel that because Pau Torres is that kind of cultured footballer he needs a big protector alongside him listen I'm sure that he's more than capable of, of looking after himself but I like the fact that we've got an enforcer Mm, of, yeah, alongside yeah. him and I think the fact that Ming's been out Ming's would have been that or has been that so um, Carlos can play as well yeah. you know he's he, he's unflustered you know he's he's comfortable on the ball um, listen I think the ball was bouncing slowly he's made that clearance hasn't he um, I can't remember who it was was it Martinelli who, who, who lifted it yeah, over uh, I think so I can't remember who it was anyway but um, yeah he's just he's just become Mr. Reliable um, I'm glad for him because yeah, it was a bit stop start, wasn't it? Got that got that injury early on, um, but he just he, he just he got a, a weird kind of mixture of kind of almost kind of like a, a, an old school British defender with a bit of Brazilian flair, and I think it's a it's a nice combo. And to that, I mean that that that's something that's that's probably overlooked. Really, there's been a lot of goals scored in the Premier League over the last week, but we've kept two clean sheets yeah. against against two very good teams and 
you know, I, I think I think one of the biggest things with this is that any kind of misconceptions that people had about Unai Emery and the way he sets his teams up have been demolished because he's just shown that he's such an adaptable manager. Um, mm. And again, we've said this before, we're scoring pretty much every game that he plays. Uh, well, that he doesn't play, but <laughs> Would you, do you reckon he could still... I remember his first training session when he they showed showed the clips and stuff and him getting involved a little bit. But um, I wonder what he's like. I wonder what he's like on the old... Uh, <laughs> I bet he's brilliant. I bet he's, I bet he's one of those ones that's probably great at everything. He's probably, you know, cooks a brilliant kind of Sunday roast. I don't know whether, whether that's a Spanish thing. <laughs> but he's just... I don't know, I'm in love with a man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I am I'm in love with a man. I mean, you're absolutely not the only one. He's a, again, is Emery a legend? Who knows? Is, is it too early to say? We've had this conversation before, but as the weeks go by, the more I'm inclined to say, yeah, why the hell not? Uh, the way it's going. Uh, so, talking of uh, Brazilian flair, let's stick with the South American theme and talk about Emmy Martinez. Um, what a goalkeeper, by the way. Unbelievable. And it's always, uh, there's so much narrative, isn't there, around Villa and Arsenal, Martinez, of course, uh, Callum Chambers, uh, Unai Emery is the, is the other one. Um, only little, little storylines going on there. Obviously, the last team to beat us at Villa Park was Arsenal in that game where I don't want to say that Emery lost his head a little bit, but you know, the goal goes in off the, the back of his head and then we can see it again because he's gone up for the corner and all those kind of things. Uh, it feels like he has a, I don't want to say a stinker, but it feels like he has a stinker every so often against Arsenal, just something in that. Um, and today, again, didn't think to begin with he was having his best game ever. He had a couple of moments where I thought, oh, he's he might be having one of those games because it's Arsenal. But um, again, just does everything so well. And the one thing I wanted to mention, which is such a stupid point, I don't know whether, whether you all have noticed, but at the end, he went off um, clapping and waving towards the Arsenal fans. Did he? And I kind of thought, oh, maybe he's just doing that to be like, oh, you know, it's my former club. And I mean, obviously they've not like applauded him and he's not like returning the favour. And he went over and he was clapping and waving and going like this a little bit. And all you could see from the Arsenal fans was this, back at him. <laughs> and he's still like going back at them. Uh, I don't know if there's any pictures of it anywhere of him uh, basically celebrating in front of them, but just that little bit of uh, mischief, let's say, it uh, goes a long way to as a fan to make it go. I quite like him. Yeah, I love it. He's he's a wind up merchant. I'm, another one. I'm glad glad that he's ours because he would he'd absolutely annoy you, wouldn't he? You could just you could just see another second before he released the ball, and another second, and another second. And I thought he's playing his way into a into a bucket here, but he, he managed. Well, to stay, it wasn't. Yeah, managed to stay just the right side of it. And you could just because we sit top of the Trinity, right opposite the away fans, you just see them kind of bubbling and getting more and more furious with him, and you're thinking, brilliant. You know what? What? What a guy! And I think the save that he made, it it looked a little bit, felt a little bit scary in real time. But when I've watched it back on the um, mm. on the highlights, it's still a good save. The the one from Odegaard, yeah. And I think I've heard a bit of Carragher's commentary saying like how Martinez has had a quick look at, as, as Odegaard has shifted his feet and made his own little kind of movement that mm. has given him the chance to to make that save, and it turned out to be a comfortable save in the end. But again. It's those little moments, isn't it, that, that that kind of win games and win titles? No, that win games. Um, so yeah, we could probably just keep playing this on a loop because we've got lots of good footballers and a really good manager, and we love them. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like when you said at the beginning, like I'm running out of superlatives for this team. It's not been saying that for six months. Like it's not, it's not brilliant podcasting, is it? Just to be like, come on and be like, 
yeah, we love them, everyone. Like it's just the same every week. It doesn't change. And obviously, there's going to be guys that we lose. There's going to be um, bumps in the road. Somebody said earlier, like Forest and Bournemouth were um, like reality checks for us. The Bournemouth point. It's actually a very decent point when you see what they've done to Man United today and their recent form. Again, we were losing until the 90th minute. That's a, that's a very good point, the Bournemouth one. The Forest one's irritating. So they're, they're only winning 11 or 12 games or something silly. Um, but that is going to happen from, from time to time. And weirdly, you're better off losing to Forest and beating Arsenal than beating Forest and losing to Arsenal because you're actually gaining some ground directly on, the, on your opponent that week. So in a roundabout way, it's not a bad thing, everyone. We're doing okay. More than okay. <laughs> Okay, if we'd <laughs> beat Bournemouth, we'd, beat Bournemouth, we'd have been joint top, and my head would have fallen off. So let's. I just... know, oh, and if Ollie Watkins hadn't hit the post against Wolves, we'd be we'd be top outright. If both of those things went our way, every club will have those, won't they? If if Arsenal, if Liverpool hadn't have drawn to Luton, they'd be top by more than they are. And there's loads of things like that. It will even itself out over the course of a season. Um, what did you make of the handball, the Havertz handball? Um, I was relieved. Because um, obviously there's the, I, mean, I didn't really see, well, I didn't really obviously see the handball because of opposite end of the ground pretty much, and um, and I didn't um, really see much of the the Louise kind of penalty, yeah, I mean, shout, yeah. shout as well. But you know, and I've, me son and me me nephews have been reading out some tweets from kind of salty salty Arsenal fans on on the way back. But listen, this is what happens, isn't it? You know, the the the, the controversial decisions always go in favour of the big clubs, don't they? Do you know what I mean? So, so what do you, what do you expect um, from watching the replay back? I think I'm a massive, I'm a massive biased brummy. I do think it hit his hand, and I think the referee, hands, yeah. the referee was very clear in making that decision straight away. You know, I think he indicated, didn't he? Kind of pointing to his yeah, own yeah. arm why why he disallowed the goal. Um, it took an awful long time. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people bemoaning the VAR decision taking so long and that um, you know, if it takes that long to check it, maybe it shouldn't be given and all that kind of thing. But if VAR, if VAR didn't exist in a world where it would be a better place if it didn't, the referee gave it as handball, so it would be handball yeah. anyway. And he, like you said, he signalled the fact at the time. It's one of those that I don't particularly like it. It bounces up off cash, I think, and hits his arm and they score off it. So it's handball, technically, by the letter of the, the law. I don't like the law. I think the rule book's crap. I think if that was happening against Villa, I'd also think it was crap. But on this occasion, it's gone in our favour. And of course, I'm happy about that. But it is, of course, it's a rubbish rule to, for that to be handball. Handball should be that he's moved towards it with his hand or he's kind of slapped it in or something. Then that's handball, really. But the rules are the rules and we all, all have to play by that rule book. And I'm sure Arsenal will get their their benefit over the course of the season and we'll get one to get, go against us at some point as well. It's just one of them, isn't it? You, you take the rough with the smooth. It was, uh, this is what such a petty man I am. It was during that and obviously the, when we scored in the final whistle, I thought, I wish Arteta was on the touchline. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would have been it would have been even funnier. It was good. Um, it was good when they cut to him in the um, you know on the screen. They cut to him in the director's box or, or, or wherever he was sitting, and he got a face like thunder. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, the, the good thing about it is he's, he's had his punishment, and I think it, it's a perfect sign of re- rehabilitation because he got done, didn't he, for over celebrating? That's why he got the ban. Learned his lesson, didn't he? Didn't didn't do any of that. At all today, so do you know what I mean? He's a he's a reformed character, and he's so good. Well done, Mick. Good luck to you. 
Oh, I can't stand him. I absolutely cannot stand Mikel Arteta. I can't, you know what? I can't stand Arsenal, to be honest. I used to really like him. Not really like him, obviously, I'm a Villa fan, but I didn't mind Arsenal growing up. Uh, again, kind of the Wenger era, Fabregas, Van Persie, Nasri, that kind of tiki-taka football of the late 2000s, pinging balls around against Barcelona and whoever else. Um, and just kind of thought, oh, they played that football in a nice way. Wenger's been there a long time, etc. I quite, quite, quite liked them to an extent. What Arteta's done to them, I know they've like challenging for titles and whatever, and technically that's better than what they've done over the last 10, 15 years or so. But just the way they go about things, I really dislike. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I dislike a lot of their players. I dislike the fact that they go down so easily. Saka is a brilliant footballer, outright technically. He's, he's a good footballer. He'll score goals, he'll make goals. But he goes down so easy. He moans about everything. And he gets the decisions. Why? Because he plays for Arsenal. If that exact player did the exact same things and he was a Crystal Palace footballer, he'd get nothing. He'd be known for diving and going down easily. But he gets these decisions for, for Arsenal, so he just keeps doing it. The very slightest of touches and he's going down, rolling around. It's just soft mentality. Let's moan about everything. Let's get in people's faces. And where does that come from? The manager. He does it. He's in the fourth officials here every game. And what you don't see from Villa, you never see you and I doing that. So you don't see the players doing it because he yeah. leads by example. So I really dislike what Arsenal have become under under Arteta. And yes, they're a good team. They might win trophies and they might be better than Villa. Um, just don't like them. So stuff. Yeah, like I think I think I think he's done a, a good job in in turning them into, yeah. into but, challenges. I dislike them in 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 fairly quick time. I like to think our mate Unai paved the way a, a, li- a yeah. little bit a little bit for that. But I think what summed it up for me today was it's been an occasion where. Saka's petulantly kicked the ball away and mm. escaped any kind of punishment whatsoever. I mean, it was in the referee's eye line, but he chose not yeah. to chose not to show the yellow card for dissent. And the, the other one that made me it made me smile a little bit was um, I think Torres, and it was obviously the wind was swirling today at Villa Park, and I think Torres has booted the ball over his own head to just try and clear his lines, and it's ended up bouncing, and, and Martinez has caught it, and Odegaard's trying to kind of claim for a. a Playing for a back pass, you think oh, no, that'd yeah. be something? You know, Torres has got, uh, you know, <laughs> right, got, right, a, right. You know, got a wand of a wand of a foot, but I'm not sure he could see that back pass from there. And it's like every little thing. And there's the one. I mean, I don't. If I've missed this rule change, then you know, tell me about it. But there was a one where Declan Rice has ended up kicking the ball out of play because I think Trossard or somebody's gone down. Oh, so yeah, many of them went down. Trossard's gone down. I think towards the the Holt end kind of touchline, kind of Witten Lane touchline. And uh, Declan Rice has kicked it out for a, for a throw-in to stop play. And the referees restarted it with a drop ball. Thinking, well, the ball's, the ball's dead. The ball's 
<laughs> it's a throw in, you know, you can order that we throw it back to them, but in his little little things like that. So there's another one where he stopped play. We were in possession. There's a player down injured. It wasn't a head injury, and he stopped play. And then another time, Arsenal in possession, their own players injured, they don't kick it out. But he, I don't know. Listen, I'm I'm splitting hairs over 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 silly little things to be honest. But um, you, you the, um, right, maybe there is a rule change. But that one particularly with with Rice and it going out, the, it was their decision to put it out. Villa didn't have to do anything. It wasn't a head injury. Um, there was also the other one where um, it was again. It was Rice and Saka. It was down the, kind of the right hand side of the pitch of where we sit on Trinity side. And Saka had been down for a while and he was rolling around. I don't think he went off the pitch possibly. And Rice had the free kick and he wanted to play it quickly. And, and Saka, uh, you know, the referee stopped it or something and made them play it again. And everyone was kind of looking around like, what the hell is going on? And um, I think um, Saka just like got up and trotted away and he kind of thought oh, he'll be sprinted off in a second. He's clearly fine. And Rice pinged a ball at him and he miscontrolled it. And I always felt like Rice was saying like, have that, like, come on, deal with it. Get back in the game. Like you're absolutely fine. And it's just just weird. I don't, don't like any of, of that kind of stuff. And I'm glad that we... I mean, obviously, we've got Martinez, who's a wind-up merchant and doing time wasting and whatnot. So I like that part. But technically, it's fine. But like all like getting in the ref's face and like you know, like um, Jesus moaning at the ref for every time Martinez had the ball early on from the game, putting his hands up all the time. Uh, there was the one where again we're getting into the weeds of the stupid things here. But Torres was taking some of the goal kicks, wasn't he? Like, I say a goal kick. He's just rolled it to Martinez yeah. a few times early on in the first half. There was one where they went to do that again and Torres is standing on the ball and he used his hands to like just push it to Martinez as if to say, oh, no, you take this one instead. And Jesus went running into the box as if he'd taken it. What? Oh, yeah, he took it with his hands, mate. Yeah. Christ, like, come on. Just just stupid things like that. You just think you're such an unlikable team and where does that come from, the manager? Uh, anyway, uh, is there any other positives you want to talk about? Because I was going to mention the ref a little bit, but obviously that comes across as a negative. Um, we were just brilliant, weren't we? So any individuals, though, that you want to talk about? Um, I'm just trying to think. You've, you've thrown me a little bit now, because we've been, I've normally done all, all my kind of eulogising about Sorry. it. The one thing I did mean to mention, I didn't hear this, but um, did you listen to the kind of half-time game again? Because <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody told me that the questions were on about that the questions were like winding up Arsenal. I think oh, one, of the, one of the questions was who's won the most European Cups, Aston Villa or Arsenal, or something like that. <laughs> um, but I wasn't paying attention. I don't know whether that was true, but but I mean, my nephew said there was two or three questions that were just blatantly to wind up Arsenal, which I thought <laughs> no, was, I didn't uh, realise. Was good, there was one good about. Who is Villa's record appearance maker? And the guy got it wrong. That's the only one I can remember off the top of my head. I was oh, half time the game's boring. I wasn't really paying attention. The one thing I was going to mention was the substitute, the substitutes, um, and how important they were today. Again, I raised my eyebrows at the time a little bit at Kamara for Dendonka and Cash for Konza. Konza's one of our best defenders. Yes, he's a better centre half than he is a right back, but he still played well. Kamara is hugely important to us. He was immense against Man City, uh, and you really miss him when he's not there. My initial thinking was Dendonka's not as mobile as Kamara. That could be an issue. Yes, he's more physically imposing and he's good in the air. Maybe he will help us see out this game, but Arsenal are a decent side with pace and, and technical ability. They might get round him a bit easy. Taking Conter off, still half an hour to go here. Like He's he's a big loss. Like, again, Cash is a good player. and Cash did well when he came on, to be fair. Uh, but initially in that moment, I thought, oh, I'm not quite sure about this. Like, I feel like those subs have, have made us weaker. Bailey's come off at half-time. Uh, didn't play particularly uh, amazing compared to Man City at least um, and obviously picked up a knock and Diaby comes on and I didn't think he was was amazing either going forward but those subs 
were very important in the back stages of the game. Dendonka won a few great tackles. Cash won that 50-50 in particular with Odegaard, I think it was, that is the one that stands out for me. I say he won it, Odegaard just absolutely bottled out of it and, and Cash just came in and swept it up and, and kept Villa with possession. Um, but at the time, again, I was thinking, I'm not sure about the subs, but like you, have to sit back and go, Emery knows what he's doing far more than I do. And those subs were, were hugely useful in the terms of those those tired legs. We were clearly tired today after Wednesday. We were clearly leggy. I thought Douglas Luiz is somebody who is is brilliant, but wasn't his usual self. Um, so to be able to bring on the two I've mentioned and Ramsey and Moreno as well, that good bit of freshness helped seal us over the line in the end. Yeah, these decisions pay off more often than not, don't they? So he's kind of earned, earned our absolute trust. I actually thought... Um, I listen. This is this is why this is why Emery picks the team and makes the changes. I thought if he wanted to kind of freshen up what he was doing down that right flank, he possibly could have bought Cash on at right wing and add double, you know, mm. Conserang, Conserang, and Cash on that, and then moved McGinn inside to have the energy that you know he needs to take Tielemans or no Kamara off and, and, and that kind of thing. But he, he knows best, um, yeah. and I do think you know. He, the, the thing about Emery as well, which is different to sure, just a lot of a lot of managers, and not just a lot of former Villa managers, is some Villa managers you could set you set your watch by what changes they would make at what time. You'd know yeah. that it'd be that play. It'd be El Ghazi off, Trezeguet. I'm not. I'm not slagging Dean Smith <laughs> yeah, or forever, yeah, mate. El Ghazi off, Trezeguet on, or whatever it whatever it would be. But with Emery, it keeps you guessing, and mm-hmm. I, you know. I, I'm sure there'll be some players that there's a pre preordained plan where he thinks, well, actually, I know so and so is going to start to creak at that time because you know they haven't got the match fitness or whatever. But I think it's his in-game management as well. So I don't think he knows every substitute that he's going to make, but he's yeah. prepared to utilise anybody in that squad when he needs to. And I think <laughs> it's true management that he still trusts his reserve players enough to do the job to win the game and get them over the line at the time where he is taking off jaded players because he doesn't want to risk an injury mm-hmm. for the next time. You know, Louise, I think Louise had, had, Louis, had Louise picked up his booking by the time that that Kamara was taken off. I think he had Possibly, done. Yeah. He's probably thinking, well, if I've got no Louise at the next mm. game, yeah, I yeah, need yeah. to make sure Kamara is 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 just so. Do you know what I mean? So I think he's mm. he's a he's a clever man. Um that's well, he's, that's he's a clever <laughs> he's a very clever man. <laughs> um, obviously without Louise for Brentford and Luca Dean as well I've not realised he picked up his fifth booking so it'll be Moreno starting next week and maybe McGinn in the middle with um, Kamara I've totally forgot who was, who was suspended then obviously going to be big misses Dean probably an underrated miss somebody who's been pretty good this season but Moreno is more than capable of filling in um, we're in this weird situation now where I think me and my dad I've not looked at the fixtures after checking this but I think Spurs play Newcastle is it tomorrow or oh, I totally made that up uh, let me just double check. The teams playing each other basically of uh, of good quality, so someone's going to miss out. Yeah, Spurs Newcastle tomorrow. Uh, next week, obviously, is Brentford Villa. I've just mentioned got Liverpool Man United, which let's face it, Liverpool will probably beat them. Uh, the following week is Liverpool Arsenal. So again, one of those at least is going to be dropping points in the same week that Villa will have played Sheffield United at Villa Park on the Friday night. There's some weird scenario where Villa are top at Christmas. Just think about that for a second. Yeah, don't, don't, Dan. Don't, 
just let it just let it unplay you know let it, oh, let it play it. out the way the way it's it's supposed to play out really hey i've got a question for you um John. You're, you're a very young dad so you don't need to worry about this yet i don't know whether we've discussed this on the on the client blue podcast before but what's what's your take on swearing at football matches and allowing your 15-year-old son to have a free pass to swear at football matches, providing he doesn't abuse it by calling you all the names under the sun, even on the drive there and the drive back. Yeah, and you got swearing is approved at the football, but he's only so you, you can you, Yeah, you get like a free hit to swear. I said, my, my reason for doing this was within the stadium. So if there's chants that require, you know, Emmy Martinez, he left because you're hmm. whatever. But he, 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 so my lad's 15, he tries to extend this window so that he probably thinks he can call his sister something because it's a match day. I'm not really talking about that. I need to get a, I need to get a tighter grip of the rules on match days. But in terms of specifically during the, the course of the game, am I a bad dad? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think you can, I think you just manage the situation how, how, how best you think. I think if it was drawn a chant, I think you've got more, um, leeway isn't the right word but it's it's more suitable maybe because you feel like you're taking part in the collective yeah. if he's you know standing up and calling the referee or something you know see you next tuesday maybe maybe that's not quite quite as uh quite as suitable um but if the referee's had a stinker maybe maybe that is allowed uh, i don't know i think it's fine 15 15's a i mean he's swearing all the time anyways and at school and stuff so you you know might as well let him i guess because we've got in our row We've got a dad and a lad normally on the end, and I think um, Stuart and Billy, and Billy's probably in his 20s. Then there's another dad and a lad, and the lad's probably 10. And then there's me and my lad and his mate, and those two are both 15. And it's like, well, I'm almost... Because my, my son takes advantage of this rule and will belt, belt out the chance as much as you can in the Trinity, because you're probably singing on your own half the time. You'll belt out the chance <laughs> with enthusiasm. And I'll I'll belt out most of the chants, but the ones that are sweary, I'll try and just kind of almost soften the swear words. I, I sit next to the ten year old lad, oh, so okay. it, yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. a kind of you know throw yourself into the, the 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 passion of the game, but still have an air of social responsibility. So <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I just, I mean, just see the comments. Leave leave, leave a comment, and you know I, I don't mind doing my. my parenting based on what the comments say to be honest so as long no, as i'm not that's probably the bad thing yeah yeah probably don't want to be too obscene um i'll just i'm just intrigued yeah fair enough <laughs> <laughs> uh is there any more football related things we want to talk about there's lots of quotes come out this evening from obviously both managers and whatnot after the game um there's one from emory that i don't quite get uh I'm going to try and find it very quickly, and I don't know whether this is me being thick, which, let's face it, it likely is that. I don't know whether John just worded it wrong, or it was, um, you know, it was an Arteta quote, basically, whether he said something and it was quite, didn't quite come out right, or whatever, it was mis- misquoted. Uh, I'm just feeling, while I try and find it, uh, on John's Twitter feed. Uh, right, here we go. It's got loads of retweets and loads of likes and loads of uh, replies. So I'm I'm guessing most other people understand what this what is meant by this, but it just reads weird to me. So the quote is, "We deserved more," which let's face it, that's not true. I think we were the better team. Also not true. I haven't seen my team did what we did to Villa since we beat them in February. What does that mean? 
Do you not think that's grammatically incorrect that that doesn't? Of course he hasn't. Well, if you take it as it is, of course he hasn't seen his team do that to Villa because his team hasn't played Villa since. Since, well, yeah, that's true. But it, does he mean? I mean, I don't, I don't know. But does he mean I haven't seen any team do what we did to Villa since we played them? As if to say, Villa have been in such good form that there's not many teams that will come here and push them anywhere near close. But he can't say. Of course, he wouldn't have seen his team do that because he hasn't played. Also. <laughs> <laughs> physically impossible for him to say. Yeah, he said my team. I haven't seen my team did what we did to Villa since we beat them in February. Did what we did. That's the thing that I keep falling over. It just doesn't sound right. Yeah, I, I mean, like I did what we did to Villa. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't start taking the task on his on his English because I, I wouldn't be able to um, go toe to toe with him in Spanish. No, of um, course. So, but yeah, I think he must mean. It's, I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans saying it was a smash and grab from Villa, and it was they were the better team and all this kind of thing. So Arteta's clearly continuing that narrative to say not many teams come here and, you know, put Villa under pressure. That, that's what I, I think it is, but it, it does sound a very clunky way, clunky mm. way of phrasing it. A few of the comments saying you probably meant to say do what we did. Uh, I think we we're the better team. I haven't seen my team do what we did to Villa since we beat them in February. Oh, it still doesn't make sense. I don't care anyway. Uh, it's talking waffle, isn't he? Old little Mikel. A little Lego brickhead. Um, anything else you want to go through? Or are we done? I think we're done. Just um, this is Kendrick's out tonight. My daughter's at a at a nan and granddad's, and my son's upstairs playing um whatever on his PlayStation. So I might watch a Christmas film. So okay, yeah, yeah. What do you reckon? I don't, I don't want to die hard. You have to recommendations. Traditional Christmas film. Uh, Die Hard's not a Christmas film, first of all. Let's get that out, out of the way. It's a good film, but it's not a Christmas film. Debate. I'm just saying I don't want to watch Die Hard. It's a film set at Christmas. Um, Elf is also not a good film, in my opinion. Vastly overrated. I know that will um, upset some people. The film that we tend to watch every year, this is so outdated. Um, I don't know where this tradition came from. I think it's my dad. But we watch it every year. Is, um Christmas Vacation with... What's his face in? Oh, Cherry Chat National Lampoon. Yeah, yeah. It's so stupid. It's so out of date. It's so seventies. But my dad always watched the films growing up for some reason. Every year when obviously I lived at home, we'd watch that every like twenty third, twenty fourth of December. We'd stick it on, even though we've seen it a million times. We'd stick it on every year. I say it's so, so outdated. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. It's stupid. Um, home Alone. It's okay. Um, Scrooge is more my thing. <laughs> Uh, the Grinch, I like the Grinch. Yeah, I'm not not a fan of the Grinch. I must admit. Uh, okay, Christmas. What, what um, would I find? What would I find? National Lampoons on? Who's that? Is that? I'm oh, sorry, I should have uh, taken this off 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 air. I don't know. We've got the DVD. I've probably got so, the DVD, but whether I got a DVD player <laughs> is a different different matter. Let's go upstairs and watch it with your son in the PlayStation. I'm sure he'd love it. Uh, film from 1972, or whatever it is. Um, the Polar Express. Come on, Polar Express. Muppets Christmas Carol. That's a cracker. That is. Oh, I can't stand the Muppets. Can you not? I hate it. No, no, no. Oh, Muppets Christmas Carol. We, I, we, I know that we've had it before that um, you and me get compared to the, the miserable pair out of. Muppets oh yeah, yeah, quite a lot. Which is fair enough, to be honest. Uh, we do enjoy a good moan here and there. Uh, just quickly, while we're talking about a moan, what do you think of the referee? Because I've seen some people say the referee was decent, but I can't get on board with that at all. I thought he was woeful. Um, it's difficult in it because I suppose the big moments have gone in our favour. So that, that doesn't make him necessarily good if you've got them wrong. Or... <laughs> 
don't know if you got the wrong one. I think the handball was right. Um, penalty, have you seen the penalty back? No, I haven't seen it back yet. I literally just jumped straight on after I've, I've literally got back through the door and came straight on. So that looked innocuous to me, but if you see enough angles at it, you can probably make a case. Mm, yeah. um, I don't know. I just, I just thought there were... I don't think he was terrible, but I just think there was some, some funny little bits. There were some in, inconsistencies, really. But yeah. I just I think it's become standard now, Dan. I think, you know, I can't remember who the, the last... I'm not saying they're all really awful all the time, and I do accept that it's a, a difficult job, but I, I can't see the last time where I thought, well, actually, that referee went unnoticed throughout the game because, you know, he was clear on everything. You know, he, he he let the game flow, but he was consistent. You know, if one player from one side had made a tackle like that and it was a yellow card, he'd have done the same. I think, you know, I don't want to get into a, a big rant of, about the standard of refereeing when I'm about to watch either Muppets Christmas Carol or, or National Lampoons, but I do see... You know, I think VAR was was brought in to to try and minimise the talking points and the controversies and the inconsistencies. But I see us talking about referees and decisions um, more so than ever. And I think referees have that kind of safety net now. So I don't think they become deliberately complacent, but they also know that if they drop a massive clangor, that either somebody will be along to clean up after them or somebody somebody will be along to make the clangor even worse. So yeah, he was like most of them, really. Take or leave them, but you, you need them, otherwise the game can't, uh, the game can't go on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Emery and, and the like are never going to moan about refs, but we can as supporters. I'm seeing some comments in the, some comments, some people in the comments saying don't moan about the referees. Why not? It's terrible. So many half fouls are things that you kind of just rather let go. Um, could have done that and didn't, or fouls that were, yes, that's a foul, but aren't yellow cards, and they were given as yellow cards. Like, the inconsistency is so frustrating. Um, yeah, just I just don't like the referees in, in England, as you mentioned, but it's probably not a debate for half ten on a Saturday evening. Um, overall, doesn't matter. We've won the game. The main decision that went in our favour was the offside, uh, the handball, sorry, and, and not giving a penalty, so we'll take those. Um yeah, just a, a great another great night at Villa Park in a very different way than, than Wednesday was. Not the free-flowing attacking football that, that we're used to, but we've found a way to grind out a win against a, a very good um a very good Arsenal side, I, I guess. I don't think Arsenal are title winners, to be honest. Like from, from what I've seen tonight, I don't think they've got what it takes to win a title, that, that mentality that you need, uh, that kind of ruthlessness or or um yeah, just that kind of edge, I guess. I, 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 just don't don't back them. I think that this year's winners will be City or Liverpool, uh, but I do think Arsenal will be in the top four, and I do think Villa will be in the top four as well. I'm just not sure on what order yet. Um, there's a lot of people now suggesting that Villa will be in the top four this year. I think they're like the supercomputers. Uh, the percentage goes up week by week of Villa finishing in the top four. Uh, chances of winning the title were remember it was 0.01% at one stage, and it was 0.6. Again, that will have gone up a little bit as well um, because we're, we're winning games against the, the the people around us. But I said in the in the summer we'd finish top four, and you all laughed at the live show. The whole room laughed at me. And uh, I think we're on course to do it. I think we'll finish in the top four, and I'll be the, one of the first people that said it. But don't, you know, that no, reminds me of you're too young to remember it, but there's a famous joke from um, Bob Bob Monkhouse, the, the classic comedian, who said, uh, "You know, the first time I the first time I told my family I was going to be a comedian, they all laughed at me. Well, you're not laughing now. 
Classic gag. Um, before I go, just a shout out to um, a girl called Zoe who's come along and sat with her dad near to us today. That sometimes, sometimes her dad brings. I think it's the, it's the one whose name I've got wrong. Before, I'm, is it Stuart? Please, Stuart. I know you listen every week. If I've forgotten your name again and it's not Stuart, just you're gonna have to wear a name badge next time. But anyway, his daughter's come along today. Uh, she's back over from university in the states, and she was really, really nervous because it's the first Villa game she's been to this season. And she thought that she thought she Ooh. could jinx it. Yeah, and uh, you'd be the one that would be kind of banished from Villa Park forevermore. But uh, yeah, so you're safe to come back again, Zoe. But um, yeah, that's me done. I think we all know anyway. It's my granddad that was the curse this whole time. The last game we went to was Arsenal. The last one when they beat us. He's not yeah. been since, and we've won every single game. How are you enjoying this blue season ticket? All right, <laughs> very good, very good. Right, I've uh, finished my glass of Mikel Arteta tears, so I think it's time to call this podcast a night. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me this evening. As always, fifty-three minutes we've done live on YouTube. Uh, for those of you that catching up with this over the weekend, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as everyone who tuned in live. I am having a real big push for iTunes reviews at the moment. Ooh, nice and exciting that is. So head to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment if possible. That really helps people share the podcast and find it on new platforms, apparently. So I'm told um, I'll be doing my job well if we get some more iTunes reviews. Um, leave a comment below with your thoughts on the game. We'll be back on Monday, the 11th of December with the Monday show where we uh, discuss all things Aston Villa. Probably me and John Townley for doing that one. Um, and it's Swinsey Mostar, isn't it, in the week because there's another game, and then Brentford, and then it's Christmas. Um, so loads to, uh, loads to talk about, um, but that's all for this one about Arsenal. Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for watching live and getting involved in the comments, um, and we'll see you Monday. We're going to win the league. <laughs>